or is the sheer i think every other one mentioned tim vine i always find it weird that uh that he's related to jeremy vine i mean obviously the surname gives it away but they're just what <laughs> yeah it is weird what they're brothers here fuck off really <laughs> Yeah, and I think I think Richard Osman's brother was in Suede. Yes, yes, I, I knew that. Yeah. I knew that one. Why do you know that? But you can't. You didn't realize that Tim and Jeremy yeah. Vine were related. Well, it's because Vine isn't exactly like a bizarre and surreal British surname. Yeah, yeah their dad is the Vine Pub. <laughs> <laughs> That's the kind of niche jokes we're after. Manifested yeah. outside of it one day. This is why you get an Uxbridge for you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> These jokes for everyone who grew up within that two-mile stretch of the Uxbridge Road. Yeah, not even like not even like <laughs> North Hillingdon, not even Hayes. No, we're looking for people who grew up basically in less than a ten-minute walk away from Royal Lane. <laughs> you guys are making a podcast. For this. So welcome to the podcast nobody asked for with me, Ian Harries. Me, Graham Jones. And this week we are joined by, let, let's see if I've got everything here, an actor, a musician, a comedian, a music video starer, an old friend from school, uh, Rajiv Carrier. How are you doing? You, miss, you missed out my friend's brother. Ah, and Graham's <laughs> friend's brother. <laughs> Before all of those things, that's the first thing I was. I was Graham's friend's brother. I've been doing that my entire life. You're killing it, man. Or at least since since Graham befriended my brother, probably in what year, nineteen ninety nine or uh, something. Yeah, very close, two thousand, I reckon. Yeah, this is this is the niche content people are here for. <laughs> yeah, I I actually applied for the position but didn't get it, which is uh, heartbreaking. It was it, it's in high demand to this day. To this day, <laughs> I mean, I think I did maybe a six month session of it, and then he kicked me to the curb. Performance issues, I think. So, uh, so this week. Because we are we are talking about uh, comedy, we thought we would we would rope in our our friendly neighbourhood comedian. So we are talking about comedy actors who should do a horror movie. There is a, a long illustrious history of it, which we can we can go through soon. But I think it is worth immediately talking about that Rajiv has basically done a horror movie because we all saw the music video you were in that came out this week. Yes, that's true. Yeah, I uh, was in, uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, I'd say West London's premier yacht rock band, Bobby Mandala's <laughs> Midnight Elite. They just released their music video for Boat Party, which is sort of filmed in a kind of, I guess it's a cross between The Wicker Man and... Um, get Out on a boat? Yeah, Get Out a, a bit, yeah. And uh, I, I, I was in that. It's a great video. It's a really it's, good video. It's a great video. We, we were talking about it before you joined us, of like, it's also an obnoxiously catchy song. That none of their songs aren't mm. catchy. Yeah. They are a really it's it's quite funny because a lot of the time when your friends are in something which might be considered a novelty band, the the music might not necessarily get the respect it deserves. But uh good music. Yeah, I mean it's uh it's still going around my head now. It's it's yeah. it's annoying. It, it's like it's great, I have a feeling it is <laughs> I have a feeling it has always been going around my head. It's just been unlocked. And just the fact that they released it just shone a spotlight. <laughs> like, I think we are all born with that song stuck in our head. But That's the hook. That's the hook you're aiming for when you're building a song in the studio. Yeah. That's the, yeah. Everyone, everyone needs to design a song that has been going around Ian's head. But, I mean, I, I, it, just, it just feels like, you know, with that in mind as well, you are the, you are the perfect person 
to join us for today's episode. I'm a big believer in uh, in the ho- the horror comedy bridge. Fascinated by it. Those who participate in it, those who cross it, those who don't. Was was the first horror comedy bridge the the one defended by Tim the Sorcerer in Holy Grail? <laughs> I'd say so. That, that 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 is a that is a very like elaborate episode idea. <laughs> best, best comedy bridges. Yeah, I mean that's the only one I can think of. So uh, that's number one. I mean, it's not it's not horror, but that is also a. a I don't think pe- people remember how fucking gruesome Holy Grail is. So like, it might not have been horror, but it was a massive crossover for the, like. I don't think anybody quite expected to, them to do what they did with the Holy Grail. Yeah, and I mean, and especially, and then you have the the insanely meta ending of everyone gets arrested. The ending was great. <laughs> yeah, I remember being so disappointed with that ending because when I first watched it, I just wasn't really old enough to understand how yeah. like funny it would be. Yeah, it made yeah. no sense to me as a child. What, what, no, yeah. This is a cop out, <laughs> but kind of the joy of watching movies like that when you're young, and and the number one reason you watch them when you're young is because dad says it's really funny, yep. and there are moments where you laugh, but the best thing about those is when you actually go back to them 15 years later, they're just as good and better. Yeah. Blazing Saddles, I really loved as a kid. Yeah. I watched it again last year, and I was like, this is funnier than ever. It's genuinely, and I was like, w- when do you get that? When do you get a film that's funnier than you remember it being? Well, Mel-, Mel Brooks is a perfect example of that, because when you're a kid, you're just laughing at the silly stuff, because all of his films are really, really silly. So you're just laughing at the slapstick and stupidity and stuff like that. And then you watch it now, it's like, oh, there's actually like a load of really detailed political, <laughs> satirical stuff kind oh, of on yeah. top of everything. Scripts, I mean, the ones I've seen, the scripts are very tight. Like, they're quite lean, to be honest. The plot moves quite quickly. He doesn't, t- he doesn't sort of, um, I think maybe post 2000, you had movies that are great movies, but were like, oh no, we got no problem with Four Year Old Virgin being two hours and 20 minutes and having yeah. enormous chunks in it that don't need to be in it because everyone's going to be laughing so much. And, and, and they did. But, but I think with, uh, some of Mel Brooks's best. He was like, no, we're keeping this 90 minutes, 95 out of push. Some of them, I think, are maybe 85. They, they move quick. I can't, yeah, I can't think of many that are over 90. But then you also had the, the, the specifically noughties comedy thing of comedy films that were, like you said, two hours, 20 minutes long. But the last 45 minutes weren't funny. Funny people. It suddenly, t- yeah, yeah. It suddenly turned into a very serious commentary on... Like, Knocked Up was great for the first hour and a half. And then it was just, but seriously, guys, you should take parenting seriously. <laughs> Funny People was, like, the perfect example. It felt like two different movies. Well, that, apparently. So, to correct myself on... So, we were on the Church of Tarantino. Fucking, fucking, which our episode isn't going to be coming out for another month and a half. But to correct myself for something that I've already said that people don't know I've said yet, um, Adam Sandler turned down Inglorious Bastards to do Funny People. Ah, not grown ups too. Who would he? Not, who would he have been in? The, who would he have been in? Uh, the Bear Jew. Lewis Bursters. He was going to be the Eli Roth character. He was like forty-five by that point. Yeah, but I think it would have been really good. <laughs> like, oh yeah, this is our secret weapon. This like schlubby, <laughs> funny guy from Brooklyn. Like, 
I don't believe that he could be. Well, he can't hurt anybody. I, I like to. I, I like to think that either it would have just been just flat out Bobby Boucher. <laughs> <laughs> so you just have the whole speech, and then Bobby Boucher walks out of the uh, the tunnel. It's it's it's, it's um in, it's a la Simpsons episode where you with the flying hellfish. It's Bobby Boucher's grandfather. Yes. but he's called like he's called like a. Like Beau Boucher, Beau Bo- Bo and he's, Boucher. Ex- he's got exactly the same face, <laughs> and it, it extends the fact that like Inglorious Bastards and uh, and the Waterboy exist in the same universe, the same extended thing. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and that is really the crossover. I think everybody is dying want, right? for Tarantino to do. Tarantino yeah. wasn't in Waterboy, was he? He was in Little Nicky. He was in Little Nicky. He was the preacher. Yeah. So there's already crossover. It, it, this this isn't as out there as it probably should be it just makes sense mm-hmm. what 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 is adam is it ha, is his is he does his like all his movies they have like a universe name it's or is happy it just, madison's ha, the like um, happy, happy madison productions yeah, yeah yeah and then there's the two eras of uh which we will refer to i think as pre-netflix and post-netflix right where you have his initial run of like six films which would just, so like happy obviously when we're talking about comedy horror we talk about adam sandler's filmography uh, Waterboy, Happy Gilmore, Big Daddy, Billy Madison. I'm missing an obvious one, but all of those are really good. Then he went rom com era, and then he's in like the long picture deal with Netflix. Yeah, 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 yeah. Myowit stories, and um, I don't know. I haven't seen any of them. Jack and Jill no, stands it's... out as like the worst of the worst, right? Yeah, well, yeah. Jack and Jill is Jack and Jill takes the sort of uh, the the gold for his cons- considered the worst and then you've also got uh the one where he plays adam sandler's no sorry uh andy sandberg's dad oh um it's like that's my boy or something like that yeah i've yeah. never heard it's, of this it's oh, very it's, bad as well it's offensively bad apparently but do you ever wonder do you think if he'd made jack and jill in 1994 it would have been a huge success potentially yeah there's something about it being like you, you everyone's like this is his worst and you're like Really? His worst? <laughs> I mean, there's definitely there's definitely a lot of nostalgia mixed in with the be- the best bit of part, like Happy Gilmore the best and stuff. Part about that idea is um is getting 1994 Al Pacino into it. Oh, that would have now that would have been interesting. <laughs> 94 is just sitting around, well, probably filming Heat. I imagine, yeah, it right? Must have been. Yeah, so I th- yeah I think it was still it back back in the days when no, but he's 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 done Scent of a Woman, so there is a bit. He's, yeah. everyone's like. He's still got people running up into the street, and rather, sh- rather than wanting to shake his hand for the Godfather Two, they're just running up to him, going "hoo ha" in his face. <laughs> yeah, I, I always forget there was a pre hoo ha uh, uh, Alan Pacino. Alan, 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 Alan Pacino. Pacino. Just Alan. to use his, his it's, full. That's what it's short for. Yeah, <laughs> just, just yeah, his, his full name. Um, so uh, away from Adam Sandler and onto comedy actors who have already done horror movies. So I have a bit of a list, and some of them are very, very good. Some of them are a bit on the line, and some of them are just kind of awful, but we'll talk about them anyway. So, uh, would we count John Goodman as a comedy actor? Ooh. Uh, yeah, I think he's had yeah. enough notable comedy performances. Yeah. Flintstones, obviously. His, his, yeah. He can kind of come and go, because he's he's like a couple of guys, isn't he? But he's one of those men is definitely a big time yeah I, comedy chops powerhouse I, I think he's he's the there's like a spectrum and i think he's next to john c Riley. Mm-hmm. yeah where john c yeah, Riley's yeah. more comedy but also very drama 
John Goodman's very drama. And it's like they're a couple of guys. That's that's their careers. Yeah, basically. And also the, the go to Hollywood's go to supporting man. Well, this is it, right? So a lot of if you look, take a John Goodman leading role, typically is more comedy and everything else. He and to be fair, because that everything else is usually the uh, the Coen Brothers. He's like yeah. a supporting. He's a, he's a supporting actor. I suppose really outside yeah. of Clo- like Tim Cloverfield Lane is probably the one that comes to mind where he's front and center, but not. I mean, it's yeah. not funny so, and, at all. I don't know if and it's also it. the it's <laughs> also the horror movie. Yeah. So yeah, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> so John John Goodman was in Ted Cloverfield Lane, which is massively fucked up and really really good. Back when Cloverfield made sense, and then they were okay. So this was. Was this their first attempt at expanding the? Was it the second film? Was they were like, right, we're going to turn this into a franchise now? Yeah. yeah. So it was the it was this. Yeah. So it was the second one, and then the third one was the one they released on Netflix with like ten minutes warning. The Cloverfield yeah. Paradox, right? Yeah. So I think there was a Super Bowl ad, and it basically said, "This is coming out after the game." It just feels a bit like I think when Ten Cloverfield Lane came out, a it it sounded like a classic fake address. Yep. It sounds like it sounds like someone saying yeah. it to you with like while they're like looking around going ten, cl- cl- they're looking at they see a clover clover field lane ten Cloverfield lane that's where I live yeah yep I am John Goodman <laughs> <laughs> also if I'm remembering right really? isn't that that house is in the middle of nowhere where are like the nine other houses on that street. <laughs> yeah. yeah that's a very good point <laughs> that, that, that reeks of a place that just has like a it's a, a named house yeah like jo- I know good, I, I Goodman just Hills it was a bit odd that Cloverfield was a bit of a big deal at the time I think it, it sort of um, it it managed to build off the success of what J.J. Abrams everyone was very interested in J.J. Abrams and there is I remember seeing the trailer to it being like whoa what is this film and there was definitely like I think you guys maybe mentioned something about how it's like a in a post 9-11 world, they that Cloverfield kind of exploited that sort of found footage, that very real fear that was in people and yeah. brought it to the screens. But I just didn't think it was big enough to be like, now we're gonna like come back seven years later and we're gonna use the same name. It's like why put it in the same universe? Just call it someone else. Surely there wasn't enough success from the first one to have to monetize it yeah. on the second so one. So it, it was a my understanding of it is it was originally another film and they bought it and just added the Cloverfield name to it. Well, that makes a lot of sense. Because yeah. I think they did similar or... I don't know if they backed out of it, but I think they were going... There was a film called Overlord, which was like... It was a World War Two supernatural zombie movie. Um, and I think they were... There were rumours that it was going to happen to that as well, that they bought the rights to it and were going to rejig it. But yeah, it was a weird, a weird, a weird time in our collective lives of J.J. Abrams just buying film ideas and adding Cloverfield to it. Also, this was a little bit, a little while ago when the idea of everything, like franchises still surprised you. Yeah. Now it's just like, no, nothing can surprise me. Yeah. Like, oh, what they're they're bringing back Mumphy? That we're getting the Mumphy cinematic universe? Fine. Yeah, believe that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, speaking speaking of surprising, that's a good segue into the next one. So this is actually the film I watched, which kind of sparked this idea for an episode. So there is a film called Becky, and Becky is a very bad. It's a, it's a distinctly slightly below average horror movie where basically it's this family. Um, 
Actually, two comedians are in it. So Joel McHale plays this dad who's taking his daughter and his new wife away on holiday to like a cabin in the woods. And then they meet a load of recently escaped white supremacists who are trying to find something they've left on site. And the lead white supremacist is played by Kevin James. <laughs> As Paul so, Blart. Um, right. So a massive bearded skinhead Kevin James who is one of the... I thought it would work, because like he kind of looked... He's quite in a, he used to be a wrestler, I think. Like He's a quite imposing guy, right? But he comes across so unthreatening. <laughs> but yeah, Kevin James yeah. as a Nazi hunting a child in the woods. Not quite like Ethan Soupley in uh, American History That's X. exactly <laughs> who I thought of when, when I was thinking, oh, like uh, from, from um, My Name yeah. is Earl. But he's but he did do American History X yeah, yeah. first, and he kind of manages it. He's yeah, also ripped he's, now. Have you seen it? I was just going to say, it's yeah, terrifying. Yeah, he's is he a cage fighter or something? Ethan Sutley, something like that. Yeah, Kevin James. That's someone who just can't. He can't because he's the thing is you have to. And maybe this is too harsh of a thing to say, but he wasn't a respected comedian. No, he was Adam Sandler's friend, and that is what he was, I think, most famous for. Even then, Adam's, I've got, I think Adam Sandler's got other friends who are more respected <laughs> than him, especially even just like recurring. I mean, Rob Schneider is not a respected no. comedian, but his roles in Adam Sandler movies people really enjoy. Like, you can wander in any, enter any pub, and if you, like, if people were a bit rowdy and you went, do it, <laughs> yeah. cut his fucking head off, people would like it. Like, we, were, we remember that. Even Steve Buscemi's performances in those yes, films. Yeah, yeah. But I, I don't think Kevin James is he's a bit of a punching bag. And as a result, I think it's very hard to make that move into something really, really scary. That's an example of it not not being done well, probably. And speaking of, we're really like <laughs> connecting these quite well. Speaking of imposing guy, but not done very well. Vince Vaughn was in a shot for shot remake of Psycho. I remember this because I think this came out when we were probably teenagers, right? Yeah, I think so. It was one of those times where like a film comes out and rather you're too young to go, oh, what a crap remake. You just go, oh, cool. They, they, they made a version for me and you go see it. And for a while, you probably like it better. And then you see the original and you go, okay, this is, yeah. why was I wasting yeah, my I time? Yeah, I think that, that hits the nail on the head, I think. I mean, Vince Vaughn, I think, has a good horror movie in him. Like again, he is a he is a terrifyingly big man. But if you see him in um, Cell Block ninety nine, right? Like he's yeah, that character is is fantastic. It's not really a horror oh, okay. movie, but what Cell Block ninety nine? It's um a really gritty, horrifically slow burning, gory prison movie that is basically building up to this. So it's brawl in Cell Block ninety nine, yeah. and the last ten minutes are some of the goriest film I've ever seen. And it's just it's just Vince Vaughn taking advantage of the fact that he's like, is he six foot six? Something along those lines. I he's mean, he's big... imposing to say the least. It's by the same director that did Bone Tomahawk. If you've seen that, yeah, it's uh, it's fucked. That's the and I mean that in the best possible way. It's a brilliant film yeah. and it's fucked. I mean, if if I said to you, Vince Vaughn, most memorable performance, what you, what are you guys going to give me? Oh, what's the one that jumps out to you? Because mine is just immediately Wedding Crashes. It's it's either wedding cr uh, crashes or Anchorman, because the of course he does have that. Yeah, yeah he's an Anchorman. His, his, it, my my go to is today we spell redemption R O N. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I I would and... say dodgeball. Oh, dodgeball shout. is probably. Yeah. So he he he's got these. He's in three. 
I'm sure Anchorman, it's not a huge thing, but he is yeah. in it. And he's bigger. He's in it bigger than, say, some of the real, real cameo parts yeah. like Ben Stiller and uh, Tim Robbins and stuff. But he's in these three hugely successful comedies over the space of, I mean, that could have been, uh, it's, it's either three years or it's 18 months or something. Like, it is, those are tight together. together. Yeah. And as a result, he, I think he kind of became tied to being this comedy guy. But I, I think, I, I don't know it that much, but I think if you actually looked at his career in the 90s, there, he wasn't considered a comedy guy. I think he sort of managed to fall into some yeah. comedy success and now we call him a comedy guy. It was, because um, the one we didn't mention as well was uh, Old School. Yeah. Yes, so, so that's him, yeah. Um, is it the the frat pack, I think? is Yeah. So him and Ben Stiller, definitely. Will Ferrell, all of those guys. Yeah. Owen, Owen Wilson. Owen Wilson, yeah. Um, yeah. Who, who, was, who has done horror movies. So Owen Wilson was in um, Anaconda. Wait, which one's that? Uh, Anaconda is the... J- J-Lo. Is it J-Lo? Yeah, J-Lo. J-Lo, J-Lo, and, a big J-Lo and, and, and Angelina Jolie's dad. Isn't there um, a rapper in it as well oh is it uh dmx am i making that ice up? tea i think no it's ice cube i think it's ice cube it's one of the ices ice cube yeah so wh- when did anaconda come out oh like mid 97 uh okay yeah, yeah i was gonna say because if that had come out post 2010 that's like oh that's like a sharknado type film yeah but if it comes out in the 90s that's like a twister type yeah. film that 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 is perfectly spot on that that is that is film history in a nutshell it was late lake placid with a snake basically we had a very a distinct type of disaster movie in the 90s and then a different cheaper type that has become dominant i think in the 2010s and so in the 90s you got your you got your deep blue sea uh, twister Eight-legged freaks. Fuck, um, I forgot eight-legged freaks was a thing. I think eight-legged freaks is is your bridge. Yeah. Eight-legged freaks is what ushers in your Sharknado world, being like, oh, why are we being so serious about these? Let's make these cheap. Let's get one star in, and then a whole load of people who you've never heard of. Let's make snakes on a plane, and let's churn them out. Let's make them stupid, like Sharknado. Like, what? Wh- why are we being serious about this? I think Twister was a bit attempting to be serious. Deep Blue Sea, and uh, what's the other shark one from that back then? Both attempting to be serious about it. Yeah, and then we got the Meg. Ah, uh, the Meg. Is the Meg no. serious? The, the Meg isn't as it, tongue-in-cheek as you think it should be. Uh, I don't um, know. You've got oh, the scene and, with the little and, dog and everything swimming out in the ocean. and. Oh, no, but I mean, but it, 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 Sharknado is ma- it's a designed good-bad movie. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I well, would the, the, the Meg is the Meg, I would argue, is a good-bad movie in the best possible way. But it's not made to be one. It is just, yeah, tongue in cheek was the wrong word because it is tongue in cheek, but it's not made to be shit. Yeah, yeah. And the Meg, the Meg is short for is it yeah. Megalodon yeah. or Megalodon? Meg- Meg- Megalodon. Why would you call it the Meg? Like just that Meg Megalodon. I've read about them. Like I actually, I've seen a replica of how big one of their tooth teeth is supposed to be. Like it is the fact that there's still maybe one or a couple around the planet. Like yeah. that is fascinating. Don't call a movie the it's Meg. It's to draw in all those um. Those uh, Meg Ryan fans, I think. You know, you you got yeah. your crossover of shark fans and Meg Ryan fans. People keen for a Family Guy spin-off. Yeah, giant giant <laughs> Meg Ryan fights Jason Statham. Uh, so we have uh, keep on with our list. Uh, a very shredded Ryan Reynolds was in one of the many Amityville horrors. That was before his sort of big blowing up as I'm a big deal now, right? Yeah. So I think he'd got 
shredded for Blade 3. And then he did this straight afterwards and they had to kind of... Is he is he Deadpool in Blade uh, No, 3? he is... He's Deadpool in one of the Wolverine yeah. films, isn't he? Yeah. Or, or is so he? He's, right, he, right, right. he's just like henchman vampire slayer in Blade 3. Right. Um, I believe he uses the phrase uh, Thundercunt. Nice. Which is probably what really nice. put him in the spotlight. Um, Jim Carrey was in the number 23 and I would also argue The Cable Guy as a horror movie. Yeah. Will Poulter was in a little film called Midsummer. Um, <laughs> Tim Curry, I would argue as a comedy actor, yeah. was famously in the It miniseries. And I guess also with, with Rocky Horror, he was he was playing around with yeah. campy horror comedy back then. Yeah, there, there, there was an obvious, like I think, road from that to actual horror. And I think, so I, I was to say, I think Will Poulter, again, has had a couple of really memorable comedy performances, and it kind of is what made him famous. Like the the heavily slept on school of comedy, he's like fifteen in it, and it's such a brilliant yeah. performance in all of those sketches. But between that and We're the Millers, he, since then I can't think of comedy he's done. And I don't think he will do them again. He's a serious. He's one of our proudest British young British uh, powerful actors. Yeah. So he is. Um, he's also now suddenly out of nowhere, obnoxiously good looking. Yeah, I, 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 I had to say this to someone the other day. I was like, who? I don't think any of us saw that coming. No, because he got so he he got cast as Adam Warlock in the MCU movies, who was supposed to be like the genetically modified perfect man, and everybody I think's reaction was Will Poulter, <laughs> Will Poulter, the We're the Millers kid, and then a photo of him came out, and it was like, oh, okay. He's full on ugly duckling, hasn't he? Fair, yeah, he has. I b- I believe the kids call it a glow up. <laughs> That's what happens sometimes when people like make movies when they're actually like confusingly young. Like I'm sure a lot of people mm. watch We're the Millers and thought, oh, that's a 25 year old guy playing a 17 year old. Yeah. But I think he might have literally been like six, he's like, like 17, young. 18. Yeah. So as a result, he's probably like, you know, most people start to look quite like what they're going to really look like for the rest of their life around 25. And so as a result, he's actually got to that point now. Yeah. Will Polster is 29 years old. Yeah, that's depressing. That's... I mean, the stuff that he has done. Oh, he, and he's going to be um, him and uh, to uh, a, 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 an actor we talk about a lot. Him and Florence Pugh, I think, are going to be the, they're this generation's big British superstar, I think. Those two any day of the week. So uh, we also have uh, Mark Duplass was in Creep. Yeah, that was the one I was I, I had up in case you didn't mention it. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a, a very interesting one. Yeah, Creep is... Uh, Creep, Creep. There's also a film called Creep, which is set in, like, the London Underground. Yeah. Not... Yeah, this is the American Creep, yeah, right? Yeah, so n- not the London Underground one. The one where Mark Duplass's character hires a f- videographer. Yeah. And it is... I don't I don't want to talk a lot about it, because the, le- the less... If you haven't seen it, just kind of trust us and yeah, go it's and phenomenal. watch it. The sequel's very good as well. Yeah, I watched, watched that um, recently. But he's fucking brilliant. Like again, given that I had my introduction to him through the league, yeah, like I didn't expect him to then turn out to be a really interesting filmmaker. But then we saw it. What was it? Uh, Safety Not Guaranteed, which he's in, which yes. is also, yeah. which obviously is, isn't a horror, but it's such a good little indie film. Yeah, because he was a very. It's got a stupid name. It's like mumble comedy or something like that, yeah, right? In, uh, mumble mumblecore films. Mumblecore films, yeah. Like it's, yeah. It's... So him and uh, Noah Baumbach and, and his uh, brother Greta Gerwig, yeah, and his brother, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. there, there is a very 
a very specific type of dry it feels very like not it's a very kind of gatekeepery thing to say but it's a very british type of comedy i think which is funny because most mumblecore films are american yeah exactly but i think maybe they sort of borrowed from a couple of choice british influences yeah it's very dry, very dry yeah very dry very self-deprecating yeah. Kristen Wiig was in Mother, which I haven't seen because I've heard it's too weird. Kristen Wiig was in Mother, as in Darren Aronofsky's mother. As in Darren Aronofsky's mother. Not his actual mother, the film. No, not his actual I mother. I don't. Yeah, she was. You've seen it, right? Greg? Yeah. You're the one, really, to take the lead on this one. <laughs> I've seen Mother. I've forgotten. Yeah, that she was I don't in think it. it's a big role. I think she's just one of the, like, followers that, that rocks up towards the end. Yeah, because she mm. was my first choice of a possible choice and then found out she was in this. I was like, oh, shit. Yeah. The British film Ghost Stories was full of comedians. You had Paul Whitehouse was in it, Martin Freeman was in it. It was written by Jeremy Dyson, who was like the unseen League of Gentlemen gentlemen. Two of a crossover between uh yeah. horror and comedy to really have it as a fair choice. Rain Wilson has done a couple of horror films, but most grotesquely Rob Zombie's House of a Thousand Corpses. Is that as bad as it sounds? It's it's kind of purposefully done as a schlocky 70s grindhousey horror film, so I think it gets mm. away with it. He then tried to kind of do that again and it just didn't really work. Uh but it's, were rejects, it, it's right? fucked up. Which was Yeah, really and then there's a third cool. one as well. I think the third one, or I, maybe it wasn't or maybe it was, I can't remember, but he I was at download a few years ago and he was playing and as part of his set was the trailer for his new horror movie. I mean, yeah, talk about self-promotion. It's, it's like something of the three, or three from something, or something like that. Yeah. But but basically, what we're saying is there's a, there's a lot of... It's a well-trodden a lot path. Of people, a well-trodden <laughs> path. So people that have done comedy who should do horror. And I, I think for the most part as well, like it, it does... It lands, uh, I think, a lot more than it misses a lot of the time. I, I think there is a very fine line between comedy and horror oh yeah so um rajiv um you are the second person on the pod who has an imdb profile uh and i'm curious i was looking through your imdb profile and it says that you are famous for have i got news for you in 1990 so i was just wondering what that was like writing for it as a newborn yeah it was uh, it was really <laughs> really great um I mean, you can dig out some of those episodes, and I think I've got a couple of bits on. So there's a bit where Paul Merton just uh, shits himself and starts crying. <laughs> and that, that was that was that was one of mine. Nice, nice. Uh, I thought I thought as much. Yeah, I did some. Yeah, I did some additional material on that uh, last year, and uh, I'm really hoping to get a few more credits this year so I can take it off all of my stuff because I just don't feel like I deserve. I deserve to put it on things. So, you know, you do one episode of additional material. It's actually a relatively common thing yeah. to do in in the comedy political satire world. And I'm sure there are other people who've written for it several times looking at me going, oh, you show up for one hour and suddenly it's all over your Edinburgh post. <laughs> nice. And speaking as a very good segue, Edinburgh post. So um, this, well, as, as of today, you would have done one or today will be your yeah, second yeah. show. So I kick, yeah. The, so I... I go from the third to the twenty eighth, so we're in we're in full swing. Uh, yeah, I am going to be doing. I'm doing a show at the Edinburgh Fringe. It's a stand up comedy hour. It's my debut show. It's called Gallivant, and it's at the Pleasance Courtyard. Uh, funny thing about comedy is there's this thing they keep talking about up here called audiences, 
um <laughs> yeah audiences uh so i apparently i need to get me yeah. some of those i don't know who i have to pay for that but uh, if anybody wants to uh is in the uh edinburgh area or is fancies a, a two-day trip you know trains are very reasonable uh come on down to my show the stand-up comedy hour it's about my life it's about sort of uh growing up and ambitions and there's a huge section in the middle about fred manger i think it hits all the the major important areas that stand-up hour should and then afterwards we can hang out so yeah please come to yes. the show and i i saw it uh, on uh tuesday night uh the final preview was it the final preview yes that was um, final preview. so yeah really, really i cannot recommend it enough uh, there's some um, there's some there's a couple of big hitters there from a couple of the sets I've seen of yours previously, but um, all of the new material was was absolutely brilliant. So um, yeah, um, cannot recommend it enough. Get yourselves a ticket to Galavant, I believe is the Galavant. That's right. Yeah. That's so uh... yes, the 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 official the podcast nobody asked for seal of approval. <laughs> <laughs> so before we we dive into our choices, uh, as is tradition, we have a movie recommendation nobody asked for, and this week. Because we are joined by the illustrious Rajiv, which I feel would be your name if you were a magician. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's your choice. So what are you recommending our loyal listener this week? Okay, how many do I get? Uh, we'll, see. We'll, we'll say one, and then we'll, we'll see what happens after that. Okay. Um, have you guys seen Midsummer? <laughs> uh, the the Ariasta the Ariasta movie uh, yeah yeah no I've heard yeah no I heard good guy from the good place yeah yeah uh, yeah I I think I think everyone should see that okay and and if 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 people have seen Midsummer is there anything else you you might recommend people I guess I'd say do a double feature because after watching a film like that you definitely want to watch something else no you don't want to sit in that feeling. Uh, I, I'd say probably the film I enjoyed the most last year was uh, Palm Springs. Oh, good shout. Ah, good shout. Yeah, Palm Springs, Andy Samberg and Christine Milioti, Milioti yeah. who obviously you'd recognize him from everything. And, and her, she was the mother in How I Met Your Mother. She was in a really good Black Mirror episode. She has this amazing cameo in 30 Rock, which is probably one of the best cameos in a show that literally has hundreds of cameos. Yeah, I just thought they did that thing, which a lot of movies are doing now, where they're going, okay, so there's this legendary film that has this concept. We're going to go borrow that concept and try and do it once more for a new younger audience. And I think they successfully did it. They took Groundhog Day and they went, this is, we're going to do it once more in a slightly different way. And it's just such a good movie. You really believe everything about it. It's funny the whole way through. Actually, pretty scary, and they don't shy away from the, the sort of the metaphysical nature of what's going on. It's just really entertaining. Yeah, and it, it also uh, continues the streak of it turning out that J.K. Simmons is really. This what I was going to say. It is J.K. Simmons, isn't it? Yeah. So he plays the other guy. Yeah. You don't get. You don't get to be called J.K. for nothing. <laughs> and just asked Jamaica. <laughs> <laughs> and and on on that on that bombshell, uh, we will dive into our our choices for this episode. <laughs> first choice so this is a actor who is known for comedy but i think is also quite horror adjacent so it is a very small jump from one to the other so this is an actor who has been in such comedy horror big hitters as garth Marenghi's dark place which we will talk about i'm assuming at length what we do in the shadows the very weird and kind of mumble an evening with beverly lufflin 
which isn't horror, it is just really fucking weird. And possibly most horrifically is the surprise and Graham, I apologize for talking about this, is the surprisingly crazily stacked. So the the cast of this thing he was in features Taryn Edgerton, Rosamund Pike, Kate Winslet, Jennifer Saunders, Richard Iowadi, Julian Barrett, and Reese Darby. So he was in Moomin Valley. Which is nice. a recent Moomin revival. Have we talked about your no. No, we haven't. Fear? I, I, fear? Would I we call it fear? There's, there's a strong aversion to Moomins. Yeah, Graham, like Graham, there is, a, there, is a, a, there is a Moomin phobia at play here. I, 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 I'm not scared of them, but there is nothing funny about them. And the little fucking scarecrow prick. I'm not even that bothered about the scarecrow prick. It's the weird, like, demonic, soulless hippos. That's my issue. Yeah. It's got a, a bit of a Oliver Postgate bagpuss energy doesn't it when like in the 1970s and they were like wouldn't it be great if kids shows were really ominous and scary yeah yeah it's it's just something it's moomin is like a couple of lines away from being a full-on horror movie isn't it i I mean you could do so you know they did the whole like banana splits horror movie recently because the the original copyright expired like you could do that with the moomins easily 100 percent so we are talking about Britain's own Matt Berry. So Matt Berry for me is one of the funniest British actors working. I will watch anything that he is even vaguely associated with. Starting with Garth Marenghi's Dark Place, which I think was the first TV show he did. And I know I, th- I throw around hyperbole quite a lot, but I think it is the funniest British TV show. It's kind of what Raj was saying about um, like Blazing Saddles, where every time I laughed the first time I watched Dark Place, it's very funny, it's very silly, and then I watched it again and picked up on a whole different layer of comedy over it, and then watched it again and then was laughing at completely different stuff that time than everything else, and it just keeps, it's just it's the TV show that keeps giving, which is wild for a show that was six episodes long and I think two thousand four. And was also the first thing in any of their careers. Yeah. Any any of like, them? Pretty much, yeah. yeah. Like, Iwadi, Holness, and Lowe had all come out of uni. Yeah. Uh, they had take. they did a couple of Marenghi shows in Edinburgh, which yeah. all did quite well. And then it just straight up transferred. It's almost exactly the same path as uh, The Boosh did. Yeah. A couple of incredibly popular Edinburgh shows. Uh, and then, well, uh, Marenghi, they went to Channel 4, and I don't think they did a radio series, but uh, The Boosh, obviously, yeah. was a radio series first. But uh, yeah, like, they, they're they young. They are young yeah. when they're in that. It's, it's so... There were some great um, great stories, kind of behind-the-scenes things of it, where um, apparently they would have cameramen coming up to to them very excited about, like, right, I know how to film this scene wrong. Nice. It's like, what do you mean? It's like, yeah, so like usually you would film this scene like this, but if we do it like this, it's going to look odd. And it was like, all right, cool, let's do that. Or the the audio guy would apparently, they would unspool all of the audio, crumple it up, walk all over it, and then spool it back up just to make it sound shit. Wasn't the um, wasn't the uh, BMX race that wasn't with the... Uh, Black Park. Yeah, the Black Park, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it, it's... Oh. And then there's just the little jokes in it as well, which I think we've talked about this before, of where um, Richard Iowadi, uh, Dean Lerner, 
pulls out his seat. And it is clearly the noise of a much larger seat on, like, gravel. Yeah. So, like, all of the sound effects are wrong as well. And it is... Uh, again, if you, if, you haven't, if you haven't watched it, I would strongly recommend it. I think I have the DVD somewhere. I'm fairly sure the director's commentary is them all in character. Um, so good. But, yeah, like, because, because kind of Matt Berry does have this, like, horror DNA in him already... I just think it would really work. And because of kind of the comedy that he does as well, which is all kind of... It's bordering, I would say, kind of surreal is fair enough. Like, there's... It's not quite Boosh level, even though he was also in... Possibly my favourite thing in The Mighty Boosh is him when they're at the funeral for the Explorer. And it ends with... Uh, uh, Matt Berry... Is he Dixon Bainbridge? Like, the owner of the zoo? He is, yeah. And he just ends... It's weird because he's Dixon Bainbridge for a couple of episodes, but I think in the very first series, Ayawade is Dixon Bainbridge. Yes. Oh, no, I, I think Ayawade might have been him when they did it radio or live. No, there's that. You can definitely watch an episode oh, really? where, where I, I think it might, oh, be, it might the be the pilot, pilot yeah. though. That's why. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then uh, he ends the funeral with, I don't want to end on a down note, so I'll end on a song. And then he just dramatically sings uh, Turn Around Bright Eyes. <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's brilliant because he's got obviously his, when he first appears in the IT crowd it's at a funeral it's yes a... which is also my my favourite bit in the IT crowd it's him just shouting yeah. father yeah quiet priest <laughs> <laughs> fucking hell I love him so much he's very good yeah what's the I, toast I just... of uh, the, the new toast stuff like I haven't seen it yet the... is oh it toast of Tinseltown it is fucking weird and it's I would I would I don't think it's quite on a par with Toast of London, which is one of the more I mean this with all the love in the world. It is a very marmite TV show. I think people either nobody thinks it's okay. People either love it or they don't get it. Yeah, I've tried it twice. Despite the fact that like everything about it should add up, yeah. you know, Matt Berry, the supporting cast I'm all interested in, Arthur Matthews. But I've tried it twice, watched two episodes that I didn't, I just didn't quite connect with and yeah. just didn't carry on with. Yeah, it, it, it's, I, 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 we're, we are strong proponents of the, uh, the love side of the Marmite equation, but yeah, it, it, it is so alienatingly odd. Yeah, I don't think, I definitely <laughs> I think, couldn't, like, yeah, uh, my girlfriend's watch it at all. She would not, yeah. would, wouldn't, wouldn't, uh, wouldn't cut with her at all. Also, just weirdly on the, on the Marmite thing, um, I'm actually quite indifferent to Marmite. Just, I'll just throw it so out. There. there you go. You, you heard it here first. Guys. Hypothesis destroyed. Hypothesis destroyed. <laughs> I don't know what to do. My, my, my very concept of reality is shaken. Well, but yeah. So, uh, so Matt Berry, I, I think it is a very small jump to horror for him. Um, I think it would be a horror along the lines of. Uh, so there's a film called like Barbarian Sound Studio that had Toby Jones in. Which is it? It would just be like the slow burning, unsettlingly weird. You aren't sure what's going on, but you know it's not good. And then I'm assuming it would end with some kind of like eldritch tentacle coming through a wall. That's kind of what I see Matt Berry doing quite well. Because that... I mean, there was a film that just came out with some British comedy actors. Uh, I just need to get the name. It is got Tom Stoughton in it. It's all my friends hate me. I haven't seen it. Uh, so this just came out, and and it's the, I'd say I, I haven't seen it yet. But the trailer, it's very much, to be honest, it actually kind of made me think of Mother. To be honest, because yeah. it was like 
what if we had a film that just very unsettling, just put you out of the unsettling feeling of everyone around you acting like everything is normal when you know something is yeah. completely wrong? That's what's that's what's quite entertaining about Mother. And then at the end, they kind of mess it all up, I think. But there's this she, the entire movie. She is just there's this unsettling feeling of these people that she don't she doesn't know who keep coming into her home. She's trying to get them to leave and they're yeah. just sort of doing that kind of ha ha ha. You're so funny rather than li ever listening to her. And I think you could definitely utilize Matt Berry in something like that, where maybe he's a protagonist. He's a normal guy and everything's going weird around him. Or you could just go whole hog and have him be like a like real, like entertaining thespian psychopath. Yeah, I think I think he could do that kind of very well as well. Like I, nothing would be if we go kind of going again like psychopath slasher film. It would be like if Charlie Kaufman did a slasher movie. Like there would need to be something like you said, just unsettlingly weird. Like maybe it is just he is he's every he's just obviously killing people and no one around him cares. And just getting more and more frustrated that nobody cares that he is gruesomely killing people, but yeah, yeah. I don't, th I don't think there is that big a jump. I guess it's a it's a comedy version of American Psycho. Yeah, yeah. basically comedy horror. Yeah, it's a bit like Spree as well. I don't know if you've seen Spree, but that's whole like the kid. Is that guy from S Steve? Yeah, is it Steve? Yeah, from Strange yeah. Things. Yeah, but he's trying to basically get popular by killing people on social media. So it's it's. Similar, similar vibes, but um... yeah, but yeah, I, I, I think Matt Berry was work, and it also helps that I basically infatuated with the man. <laughs> have you, have you seen that guy on TikTok who can do the perfect Matt, Matt Berry impersonation? No. <laughs> and so, like, he takes requests of things to say, and him reading drill tweets is really amazing. <laughs> like, drill tweets are amazing enough to read, but when you hear them in like one of the most magnificent yeah. voices ever, oh. Because I think one of his best ones is um, the only NFTs I care about are nerds in the fucking trash. <laughs> Suck my dick. <laughs> <laughs> that, I mean, to be fair, to be fair, that was a very good impression. Yeah, but he does have uh, like thank you. He does have one of the better voices in cinema as well. It was him and Brian Blessed. It's right? a voice that everyone everyone wants to impersonate. Yeah, he's he's invented a voice type. He has, hasn't he? Yeah, just the Matt Berry. Yeah, I like it. So my first choice, I'm going to go, I think, probably painfully obvious guy who, I guess, cut his teeth in comedy from the acting point of view, but is probably most widely known now as one of the, I guess, even though he's only done, well, he's done two that are out, one that's coming out very soon, horror movies, but as a sort of horror director, and also who's involved in the Candyman remake, I think, as a producer. Of course, Jordan Peele, famous for Get Out and Us. And I think we've spoken about us on on more than one occasion on here because it is such a good film. But I guess most widely known as a comedy actor for the Key and Peele skits, which I think we've said this before, right? But Key and Peele is one of the things that I probably we've both probably seen the most of. I've never actually watched the TV show. It's yeah, one of those that I've, firmly I've lives on I'm, YouTube, right? Yeah, like I've I, it's my favorite TV show that I've never seen. Yeah. I've never wa never watched an actual ep. I couldn't tell you the format of it. I would tell you it it changed in the first series. They did a lot of like them in a live audience doing like chit chat, but I think they realised that the sketches were so good it wasn't yeah, super it worth it. it. I'd say it's like it's like Saturday Night Live. You don't need uh, to watch yeah. the show. Yeah, you want to watch the sketches. 
oh, I th- their ske- sketches are so fucking good. And I'm still discovering new ones. But like, I'm assuming yeah. we'll, we'll come onto it as well. But so, my favourite sketches are the ones that arguably are not fucking funny. They're just, they're just... Oh, they go really dark with some yeah. of those. The, um, the Make-A-Wish Kid. I don't remember Make-A-Wish Kid. So the Make-A-Wish Kid is Jordan Peele plays this kid and the Make-A-Wish guy comes along, or Make-A-Wish woman comes along. It's like, oh, what do you want to do? It's like, I want to, uh, in proper creepy cinema, like horror voice as well, like, I want to uh, drown a man, then bathe in the water. <laughs> <laughs> and just keep saying like really just keep saying like really fucked up things and yeah it, it's just fucking great the, what about you guys what what are your favorite kind of sketches i i always go back to two with key and peel which are um the, the mr t one which is a parody of uh, do you remember the mr t sketch i think so so it, do you remember the we I think, i'm sure i'm sure it was probably you who sent me in um Years ago, the Mr. T song "Mother." Yes, treat her right. Treat, her treat right. your mother right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The song that he released in the eighties to try and encourage kids to be nice to their mums. So it's a bit of a parody of that, where you've got um, you've got the woman who plays Ted's girlfriend in Scrubs. I forget her name, uh, and she's in Garfunkel and Oates. Mikuchi, yes. Kate Mikuchi, Kate, Kate Mikuchi, yeah. Kate Mikuchi, and uh, Keegan Michael Key are playing these two kids in a playground. And it's all very 80s-ified. And then one of them says to the other, like, they're, they're sort of being insulting each other. And then one of them says, well, your clothes are... And then that's when Mr. T steps in. And he goes, never make fun of a person's clothes. And it's Jordan <laughs> Peele doing a perfect Mr. T. Jordan Peele was so good at taking impressions hmm. that everyone thinks that they can do. Yeah. He famously did this with Obama. Before his before he came out with the Obama, a lot of people went, like, when, well, when he finally did the Obama, probably four years after Obama became president, uh, well, I'm sure he was doing it live, but brought it into a um, bigger sphere by doing it on the show. Everyone's like, oh, that's how you do an Obama. Yeah. We well, did um, Baby Forrest Whitaker as well. Like, oh, it, I don't remember that one. It, it, it is just, it, it's Jordan Peele's so head simple. superimposing a toddler doing yeah, just a Forrest Whitaker impression. But I want mama's milk. <laughs> <laughs> The um, like I think that Mr. T one just ends up with him getting more and more sensitive about yeah. people. He never he never steps in when they're talking about maybe doing drugs. But if one of them makes fun of the other one's hair, he's like, uh, "Never make fun of a person's hair." <laughs> and then he ends up sort of crying that the fact that he, it's not even a haircut; it's a rare form of male pattern baldness. <laughs> yeah, I do remember that. Yeah, that and um, Ray Parker Jr.'s album of his other songs. <laughs> So Ray Parker Jr. is trying to sell you an album of all of the songs that he made that never made it onto feature films. So he's like, we all remember Ghostbusters, but what about this song I wrote for the movie Apt People? <laughs> <laughs> what about this one I wrote for Fifty Shades of Grey? He like all of these like really upbeat 80s, funky electric songs for movies that it just does not fit to. Uh, I love the, um, Gremlins, the Gremlins 2 Screen Doctor. Yeah, that's yeah. an excellent Where one. They're, tr- they're trying, yeah, it, it's... It's fucking great. What about you, Greg? There's, your... there's a good one. Um, so the Obama one where he's uh, doing the handshakes is, is, is a great one. Um, the There's one with like, uh, there's a Mexican standoff that keeps escalating with different twists um, where they're like, the guy, it basically turns out that one of them is a gun um, disguised as what as key. Oh. It's, it's ridiculous. I don't think that's Key and Peele. Is it not? No, I think a key and, that's Key and Peele 
with like a comedy troupe. Oh or yeah, something. sorry, but it is them. Yeah, yeah maybe but it's, it's not but from it's, the yeah, TV it, show. It's, but it is because yeah. oh. they, they they were on. They were both cast members on Mad right. TV for a couple of years. That's how that's so where maybe, they met. Yeah, so I'm, but it's still it's still a key and peel yeah. sketch. So but my yeah. favorite, okay, we're, we're we're cool with it. My fa- my favorite one is mm. the uh, Andre three thousand in a coffee shop. Yes, oh, so good <laughs> in a vase Why? or yeah. vase. <laughs> yeah. Why does your breath smell like? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's just one of the it's it's brilliant. I think even more so just how uh, how disappointed uh, Big Boy is with with Andre three thousand and <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's it's another very good impression as well. Yeah. Like I say, it's, it's a very it's something which is a very generic impression that he just smashes and ruins for everyone else. <laughs> so yeah. I think I think that's definitely the top top one for me. Ah, uh, good times. But yeah, just in general, like in those, and he has been in like tons of stuff, right? There's his um, and to be fair, and I'm not going to let you get me on this technicality. He technically has been in a horror movie because he was the uncredited voice of the dying deer in Get Out. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> but oh, he, no, he's also the voice of the television that's. That's supposed to be brainwashing Daniel Kaluuya. Oh, really? Uh, I didn't realize that. That sort of old timey voice of that's, nice. that's him. Yeah, but no, I I wouldn't yeah. I wouldn't get you on that te- technicality. <laughs> mm. But uh, did you see what came out recently of why he apparently quit acting? No. He quit acting when he was asked if he wanted to play the shit emoji in the emoji movie. <laughs> and apparently, as soon as he was told that, he was just like, "Yep, no, I'm done." Not, it is not playing of, this game anymore. It, is, it breaks my heart a little bit every time. I mean, Nope is coming out soon. And I just know that it's good. I think it's going to be bigger than us. Mm. But it kind of breaks my heart how huge he becomes behind the scenes when you watch a, a single key and peel sketching. Yeah. The, 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 the chops on this guy are unreal. Yeah. He's probably the great, the best sketch performer of the 21st century, oh, I think. Sure. I, I couldn't think of anyone I would. Possibly not even. Like, he's up there with, like, the. Because, I mean, for us, I guess the... Oh, it's really difficult saying the word us when we talk about Jordan <laughs> Peele. For the us, movie us. The, 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 the British... Okay. Um, the British us. Yeah. The sketch, the sketch peak was the 90s, right? Yeah. Like, 90s was just wall-to-wall sketch comedies, and then we kind of stopped doing it for a while. Yeah, but, but, but we, we continued doing it. We just did... Uh... We had a couple of choice ones in the, the 2000s. 2000s. P.S.F. Inowitch Show, Mission Aware, Oh, obviously. true. Yeah, very true. I, I take it back. And 90s obviously... And Corden and Horn. We're not saying that now. <laughs> Weirdly, talking about the Emoji movie, I watched pro. I watched most of the Emoji movie through a wing mirror in a car at a drive-in in Florida whilst watching Dunkirk in front of me. Interesting. <laughs> so, the nice. obvious double bill. Same yeah, exactly. Time. The, the obvious, yeah. obvious double. The obvious double bill. They told me it was a double bill. They didn't <laughs> tell me they'd be playing at the same time. And I could only I mean, that's hear a very... Dunkirk as well. That's a very Chris Nolan thing to do, isn't it? It's like this movie's designed yeah. to be watched through the wing mirror of a car while you listen to Dunkirk. Jordan Peele quit acting when he was asked to play the shit emoji in Dunkirk. <laughs> <laughs> it just doesn't feel responsible. I um so when I rocked up to watch Dunkirk at a uh, at this uh, drive-in, it's a place in it's called Lakeland in uh, Florida, which is about an hour south of Orlando. I drove up and I mean it was a bargain. It was like five dollars to to watch the watch the film. Pulled up to the window and um, said, "Can you know, you know tickets to see Dunkirk, please?" And the woman, without a sense of irony, turned to me and said, "You sound like you're from Dunkirk." 
<laughs> I'm sorry to disappoint you, lady. Because every time I hear the name Dunkirk, I'm like, how is that in France? True. Yeah, it's a very Dunkirk on Sea kind of name, isn't yeah. it? It's like that's a that's a Scotland name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong. Yeah, true. We get it. We get it, Raj. He's only wearing... <laughs> Speaking of Scotland, um... Edinburgh. Edinburgh was uh, as a colleague just called it yeah, recently. That... Edinburgh and Edinburgh. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Edinburgh. So, yeah. I, I just think, I, I think he'd probably go for um, something very similar that he's done. I'm, I'm thinking he goes down the sort of written, directed, and starring in route, but not in the way that like Tommy Wiseau did it. Just a, a good, uh, his next, whatever we get from uh, After Note, but with him sort of centre stage. I could also see him maybe doing something similar to Mark Duplass in, in Creep in the um, kind of veering into the kind of, I guess, and I guess a lot of what he has done is, you know, it's more psychological horror than like all out gore or anything like that. Right. Yeah. I think he could do like a falling down by way of a performance. Yeah. Him. Cause, cause there yes. were key and peel sketches. There's a, there's a good one where he's a supply teacher, not the famous supply teacher sketch. There's another one where Jordan Peele is the, a supply teacher sort of walks into this rowdy classroom, slams down his bag, and he's like and, and scares the life out of them, only to lean over and then fart. And then they all just start heckling him like crazy. He just picks up his bag and leaves. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think he could do a falling down, a very sort of stoic character in the center of something. I think you could perform the hell out of yeah. that. I think. That 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 is that that's another nail you've hit fucking squarely on the head there. That would he would be perfect in something like like a horror falling down. And on that, that's the end of my choice. Thanks, Rajiv. <laughs> okay, so my guy, I think it's weird because he's definitely a comedy guy, uh, but he's not super known as a comedy film guy. My pick is uh, Jason Manzukis. So Jason Manzukis is the guy who just makes everything better. There are a few people out there who still don't seem to know who Jason Manzukis is. And then when I describe, all I have to say is, Adrian Pimento, and then there's like, oh, I love that guy, or Dennis Fine. Yeah, Raffi Ra- Ra- from the league. Raffi yeah. from the league. Yeah, Raffi from the league. Uh, Dennis Feinstein, who's only in like two or three episodes of Parks, but really is fantastic. So as soon as I said Mark Duplass from the league, my brain went, oh shit, you should have done Jason Manzukis. Jason Manzukis. Like, it is such a good idea. Movie wise, you know, he's had bit parts in. Uh, they came together in basically any of those kind of genre films of the last 10 years. So Adult Beginners, he's in that. Neighbours, well, we are, as we yeah. call it, Bad Neighbours, yeah. He's got, and he's, he, he's got vocal, he, he does um, voice acting in, I know that he's Scarecrow in the Lego Batman movie. He was in The Disaster Artist. But in general, nothing, I think he's even in The Dictator. He's in The but, Dictator, yeah. But nothing, he, he's, the reason why people know his face is because, you know, he's in, so many shows where he's just the, the funniest guy he brings a brilliant magic to it and it's similar characters but it's they are different so you know i mean he's even in a show that i don't love but he puts a great performance in it the good place he's uh, he's derek who just in a couple of scenes is very very funny he was also i i haven't seen it yet but um you know he was in pam and tommy yeah isn't he the voice of the dick he is the voice of tommy lee's penis yeah <laughs> As you do, I mean, that as adds, you do. That adds right up. 
I mean, he's just got this incredible animated anger about him. But also, I mean, I'm, I'm sure plenty of your listeners are big listeners of how did this get made? Yeah. And his energy in that podcast and his perspective really, really is, is he's, it brings something amazing to it. I, I can't remember what podcast I was, I think it was the Dak Shepard um, uh, podcast was interviewing Jason Manzoukas and He's one of those, it's a lazy thing to say, but he's like a comedian's comedian. Like, everybody in comedy loves Jason Manzoukas. Point proven by the fact that you've picked him, I guess. But, yeah, I, I think he, he's held to a massive standard, but just hasn't seemed to, like you said, or has chosen not to kind of be the focus or centre of a project yet. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I imagine it's, he must be getting a lot of offers, right? I mean... You'd watch a sitcom with him as the lead. I guess the closest to that is is he's in the sort of shared lead in um, Big Mouth. Yes, and his yeah. performance and his character in that is just the best. Like, it's just m- probably my favorite character in that show. Yeah, I mean, I can't think of anything he's been in where he wasn't my favorite character in that show. Yeah, yeah, he really kind of steals it. Everything he turns up, even it, again, like even in the really like Parks and Rec. A, a, a TV yeah. full, a TV show full of incredible characters. Jason Mazzucca still completely steals the scene from anyone yeah. he's uh, he's opposite. And then the league again, like the... the league is the is the one. I think it's probably my first introduction to him in the league. But he's, oh, he um... he is Raffy from the league yeah. for me. But that show, I would argue, that show wouldn't have gone on as long as it did without Jason Manzoukas in it. It also had because the league had that really weird episode with the it was him and Dirty Randy as a like cartoon, right? Which was yes, a, there was odd <laughs> as, as things were. It, Seth, Seth, it was Seth Rogen, right? Yeah, yeah, Seth Rogen. As, yeah. Ah, yeah. oh, fucking hell! I love Jason Manzoukas. Yeah, that's the thing. He's a guy that we got. I, I was lucky. A couple of years ago, he was filming uh, in London, and so he was spending his evenings. He got involved in the Free Association, which is a sort of prominent improv theatre in in London, and obviously tickets are really hard to get. He did a couple of. Um, shows where it was literally just him and one other improviser and they did what they call a mono scene which is just him and one other improviser they take a one word suggestion from the audience and then they improvise for an hour and it's one scene it's like a one act play yeah and i watched him do that and it was so brilliantly entertaining and it had just just come from their brains it was so funny so interesting and afterwards we got to talk to him as well and he was so sound yeah, I, I was I was never big into kind of the improv stuff because I think all I knew about it was other people taking the piss out of it. If that makes sense. Yeah, like, it's a bit. It's a it's a punching bag. Yeah. But then when you go see the highest quality, you're like, oh wow, oh wow. I went to um, I saw UCB at the um in New York, and they did something very similar. And the one word suggestion was uh, Dixie Cups. No, sorry, it wasn't Dixie Cups at all. That's not that's not as funny. It was moon cups. Nice. <laughs> Dixie cups, some sort of. I think Dixie cups are the red cup. Right, you know the right, like, right, classic right. American red cups. Red yeah. Red cups. I was I was thinking of like the uh, to go very American. I was thinking juice box. Right. When you said that. No. Yeah. Anyway, that's where my brain went straight. So I'm assuming. Uh, so is it, yeah, yeah. Right up in New York, they would call moon it a juice box, but down in uh, down in uh, New Orleans, <laughs> they call it a Dixie cup. It's a Dixie cup. <laughs> Well, I mean, for for all we know, that's what they call a moon cup down in Louisiana. <laughs> Anything's a moon cup if you're brave enough. 
so what, what kind of what kind of horror are we are we expecting Jason Manzoukas? Well, I think after seeing him sort of play the brilliantly unstable characters, Adrian Pimento being a big one, um, I think you could definitely have him. You cross that line, you get a guy that was a bit set, was sort of unstable and safe, and then you suddenly have him killing people. I think this is something that was so impressive about Promising Young Woman in that she very carefully... Are you guys both, did you guys both see that? Uh, I, yeah. I've had it ruined for me, but I haven't seen it. It's yet. very good. I, it... Okay, so there's a great touch about Promising Young Woman in that like throughout the sort of first half of the film, these guys who have very small appearances who sort of, you know, are trying to like prop her up as she's obviously too drunk and sort of trying to pretend almost like getting her into bed and pretending that she's not as wasted as she is. She, one of them, one scene, it's the guy who played McLovin. So, you know, another one, it's Adam Brody, you know, Seth Cohen from the OC. We all love him. And another one, it's Sam Richardson from, you know, Detroiters, Veep and all this stuff. She very carefully picked three guys who we all associate with their lovely characters that they played elsewhere to be these kind of like borderline date rapists kind of thing, just to sort of fuck with you, to being like, it be the nicest guys too. And I think you could definitely, I mean, this is probably true for all of our answers. You take a guy that's, oh, that's the fun guy. Oh, he's always crazy. He's always crazy. But he'll, and then he just stabs someone in the neck. And you're like, oh, God. Oh, no, isn't, this isn't funny anymore. <laughs> Raffi, what are you doing? <laughs> or it would just be, oh, yeah, no, of course, Raffi's going to just randomly stab someone in the neck. This isn't, this isn't done as a comedy anymore, which means this subtly isn't funny. I think I'd love to see him do something like that. So just, just basically just Raffi from the league without the, the sitcom context. Yeah. Yeah, because that, that, now I think about it, without like the uh, without the comedy glasses, that's horrific. Every, everything he does is horrific. It's like when those YouTube people reshoot Breaking Bad as a sitcom. It's the same thing. <laughs> what if the league was a horror? Yeah, no, I, I like that. And that's how you Fuck get it, to We'll it. get them all back. Include, yeah. uh, but not the guy who lied about 9-11. We'll keep him. Oh we'll yeah, go. it has made that the most famous thing about. Yeah, him. well, I mean, it's gonna. Imagine if you did that and that wasn't the most famous thing about you. Like that would be that would be a Come an on, interesting guys. life led. <laughs> I also lied about various other terrorist attacks, but they didn't happen in America, so I guess we're less interested. <laughs> so speaking of actually, people who stole every scene they were in in Parks and Rec. My next choice is uh, Jenny Slate. Jenny Slate is, I don't, she's not what I think I've referred to before as like clicky finger famous, where you will see someone and it will just be, ah, there, who's that? But every time she appears on screen, my immediate response is just, oh, that's Jenny Slate. Like she's one of those people I have to point out whenever she appears on screen. But she is most, I would, I don't want to say most famously, but at least for me, she will forever be. Mona Lisa Saperstein, who is, again, in a show like Parks and Rec that is full of incredible characters, incredible actors, and Chris Pratt, and <laughs> really quotable kind of like quasi-catchphrase dialogue, she is my by far my most quoted person from Parks and Rec, like by quite a, quite oh, yeah, a degree yeah. as well. And she came in late. She came in late. She had to match the energy of a character who had become like a guy who was probably supposed to be in it for one episode and everyone liked so much. They were like, no, you're going to be our our constant recurring outside of the main cast. You're the guy we see the most. And uh, she had to match that and she exceeded it. She's also only in nine episodes as well. 
yeah. But it, it, that, that that's exactly that. And I mean, like, and having to, can you imagine being bought on, like you said, just to go like, right, so we've got, um, you know, fan favorite Ben Schwartz. Yeah. <laughs> we need you to match exactly what he's doing. And if possible, crank it up even more. <laughs> also, the, the, the additional touch, which I love, is that he frequently references that she sucks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is the guy that everybody thinks sucks. She's the worst. <laughs> no, for real, she is the worst. <laughs> we, I love that bit when uh, uh, Tom Haverford finds out that she's not pregnant with his kid. Yeah. He's like, yeah, oh my God, yeah, it's got my life back. And, and uh, John Raffio <laughs> shuts him down. He's like, what the hell, man? That's my sister. <laughs> I'm just kidding. She's the worst. <laughs> it's the uh, it's just it's just money, please. Just oh, yeah, money, please. All, yeah. all the time. But she is so fucking funny. Oh, also, uh, ecstasy takes forever to leave my sister. <laughs> <laughs> oh god! And um... she is one of those people who, like, often with shows, you know. A person who came later and reminds you that the later seasons are worth watching and enjoying yeah. because they're not in those early seasons. Yeah, yeah, de- definitely. But I will, I will watch anything that she's kind of attached to. Um, and she's also now on like a streak of, I say streak. She's been in two, but still, she's been attached to a lot of A twenty four films. Uh, nice surprise to see her in Everything Everywhere All at Once. Yeah, exactly. And she's also now done the voice in something called. Marcel the Shell with Shoes On. She wrote that. That's a yeah. book that she wrote a kid's book about it. So I guess oh, I, I, it, right? did, I didn't realize she wrote the book. Yeah. I know it was based, it's based on a short, which I know she was attached to. I didn't realize it then went back another step as well. Yeah, it's a kid's book that I think she, she wrote or co-wrote. And I guess it's being adapted now. Yeah. So she, yeah. So that's out. I think it might be one of those awkward ones where like it is technically already out because it was shown at a film festival only like eight people went to. But I don't think it's had its proper because it's down as a, I think a twenty twenty one film, um, but it hasn't actually had its proper release. Also, yet. You, you, I mean, you could just make that into the horror movie because that shell is terrifying. <laughs> oh god, yeah, it's straight out of like the end scenes of Toy Story, isn't it? It's like if Guillermo del Toro did Toy Story. Now that is a fucking film I would watch <laughs> immediately. Um, have you seen the trailer for Pinocchio? Yeah. So Guillermo del Toro doing stop motion Pinocchio is as terrifying as you think it's going to be. Uh, um, but yeah, so like Jenny Slate, I will watch her in anything. She is really fucking funny. Um, she's got kind of an incredible energy to her, but she's also done some kind of more kind of serious things as well. So she does have the kind of the the flexibility there the as acting well. Acting chops. Yeah, and and if she is attached to you know if, if she's not a stranger to A twenty four, it means she can be in a fucking weird as fuck A twenty four horror film. You know, the studio who, well, I bought us podcast favourite Midsummer, Hereditary, The Lamb recently, mm-hmm. which I haven't seen yet, but I really want to because it sounds just like a batshit crazy premise. Um, have you guys seen that? No, yeah, I've seen the trailer. Hi. Tusk was A24 as well, right? Yes, yeah. The Lighthouse? The Lighthouse was A24? Yes. I could just sit here just reaching for horror movies for the rest of the episode done by A24, but that that's kind of what I want Jenny Slate in. I want her in an A24 big concept, just well done horror movie. I'm sorry, I also just whilst we Saint Maud as well. If we're talking about A24 horror movies, Saint oh, Maud fuck. Is, is one yeah. of the best. Yeah, I think if I had to do, uh, we've joked about it before with like um, doing a rewatch podcast. Like uh, I think we're still alone now. 
is my favorite go-to. <laughs> All I do is Winslet if life uh, if life gives you lemons. If I had to do a rewatch one, I think it would be an A24 podcast. Yeah. Because I don't think they have a bad Oh, you know what? There. I just realized Jenny Slate, her movie Obvious Child, which is the one where she's like a comedian who gets yeah. pregnant after a one night stand decides to have an abortion. It's kind of like, it was like her first like Jenny Slate vehicle. Yeah. That's an early A24. Oh, really? Yeah, 2014. Interesting. That'll explain the sort of connection she has with yeah. them. Oh, shit. I'm, I've now just got A24 films up. Fuck it. Let's start the A24 rewatch podcast good, now. Good, t- good Time is an A24 film. Yeah. Yeah. Lady Bird. Yeah. The Disaster Artist. Yeah. Like, there's so. They're, they're the only studio now where I will pay attention to anything that they come out with. That'll last for a couple more years before the, the stamp. Yeah. Stops meaning so much. I think it's yeah, the, but... the guy on the uh so Scott from the Church Tarantino podcast put it well, right? It's kinda of like the Miramax of the twenty yeah. uh twenty twenties, twenty tens. Yeah, they just have faith in giving money to good filmmakers and then yeah. letting them do what they want to do. But Yeah, I... and promo- promoting them right and making sure that people see those films. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But I, I would love a Jenny Slate horror movie. I I don't know exactly what it would be. Um, I could see her playing like the good. You, you okay? Here you go. You, she plays herself. The movie's called Clean Slate, and then you just go from there. <laughs> I like it. Or blank, blank, blank slate. slate. Blank slate. I could um, see her playing herself. I think she could do that. Yeah, I could see her as also kind of like the the mother character in like a Babadook kind of thing. Yeah. Well, she. I guess she, she kind of isn't a million miles away from Tony Collette. Yeah. And Tony. Yeah. I mean that that is actually. Yeah, Tony again. Col- Tony another, Collette has proved it. Another nail. Um, I caught. I caught about a boy again last year, and it's so good. Yeah, you said that like and, it was a disease. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I caught about a boy. Bad case of yeah, about a boy. It's, it's my own fault. I was drinking drinking uh, dirty water from ponds. <laughs> um, no, it, it's it. It age. You, you'd think a movie like that maybe would. Oh, it was charming when we watched it in the early two thousands, but it doesn't hold up. But the script is really strong, and and the center of it. Is brilliant. It's weird. Tony Collette has done such interesting, hmm. different things. She's in so many of the best films, just behind the main talent. Have you ever seen? Um, did you ever see United States of Tara? No, which, that was a sitcom. Yeah, right? which like seemed to go completely under the radar. But um, yeah, she played a uh, someone with multiple personalities. I think it was Brie Larson's first um, foray into like TV that, and film as well. But that was so good. It was like a weird. It was kind of like a sitcom plus drama plus shining a light on mental health and yeah uh, no, so few people have seen it but it's so good i forgot she was in krampus yeah i still get freaked out by the inside number nine krampus episode oh that's so fucking good though that is the, the the darkest scariest episode i've ever done do you think i watched i saw the the owl one the on the plane on a plane the other day oh I'm not, that, is that the new series? It's new, it, was the, it was the final episode of the new series. Yeah. No, I haven't seen it. It's not funny. No. <laughs> really? <laughs> no. It, it, it's, and I, I, I mean that as a compliment. It is. It's, inc- it's an incredible half hour of TV, but I never want to watch it again. No. I'll have to get that on the list. That's the thing about some of those episodes. They, are, they have that horror stamp of approval being like, oh, it was brilliant. I will never. I, I don't yeah. even want to think about it again. Yeah. Yeah, why is yeah, that? Exactly. <laughs> there are some. There are some episodes that I will scoot straight past. But yeah, so Je- Jenny Slate will have her as the the mother character in an A twenty four film, and her son slash daughter slash pets get 
possessed by Krampus. Why not? Yeah. We need to talk nice. about Kevin's Krampus the Babadook. <laughs> yeah. Fuck it. Let's go, let's go for it. If it's good enough for... Because uh, uh, John C. Riley is this, uh, in... Um, we need to talk about Kevin. Yes, as well. he is, isn't he? Yeah. I love so, that. You know, I yeah. saw Tilda Swinton walking around at Glastonbury. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. It's probably the most famous person I saw. Oh, Tilda Swinton's got my, one of my favorite pieces of trivia attached to. Um, she can trace her family line back to Macbeth. Really? So her family got land, or the, the lands her family owned were granted to them by the actual Macbeth. What? I thought it was going to be the, like, uh, this. I think this was more actually a hypothetical casting of David Bowie that we spoke about that she sh- yes that she should be David Bowie in a biopic. She is. She is. Yeah. But it, it needs to be like you don't cast David Bowie. You're casting the personas. Yeah. So you need to have a different act, like that Bob Dylan film they did. So you need to have Ziggy yeah. Stardust, the Thin White Duke, um, Major so Tom, Aladdin Zane. You'd have her as the Thin White Duke. Think? I think. I think so. I think so. But it's just it's too good a casting that now it's kind of ruined any David mm. Bowie thing they do. Yeah. Well, they won't be able to do a decent Bowie until they get those rights. They have now. Okay, they, so they, they'll so be I, well... I, I don't know who owns them Somebody now. get Dexter Fletcher on the phone! <laughs> yes, let's him, do it! Tell him to stay at home. I don't want him doing what he did to Elton John. Ah, uh, Taron. <laughs> the performances were solid. The songs were good. The movie made me laugh at points when I probably shouldn't have been laughing. I really enjoyed it, though. It, did, it also didn't know what it was. It didn't know if it was a biopic or a musical. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah, but this is the problem of what happens when um, your main guy is still alive and has his dirty mitts all over the film. <laughs> yeah, we're we're looking at you, Bohemian Rhapsody. Uh, not that the main guy's alive there, but the, the other ones are. Well, they they had had their mitts all over it, hadn't yeah. they? Bohemian Rhapsody isn't as bad as everyone says, and Rocket Man is worse than everyone said. Bohemian Rhapsody has the issue with the editing, right? They're like. 300 but cuts that's in, only a couple in. of that's only a couple of scenes where it's quite bad the rest of the scenes are fine the problem with bohemian rhapsody and then we all get on to graham's choice is it didn't know if it was a freddie mercury bio- biopic or the story of queen yeah yeah it should have made it those choice, those are yeah. related stories but entirely different yeah absolutely my second choice is a, an actor we have talked about at length uh, in the intro of this podcast, so now you can't edit that bit out, Ian. Um, but it <laughs> is, um, he has been in varying degrees of comedy quality, I guess we would say, as and we spoke about his distinct kind of points in his career. But he has also had the, I guess he's had two really good performances in serious movies, but one that stands out from the last few years, which was which was Uncut Gems. So, of course, I'm talking about the... Uh, Idina Menzel. <laughs> the mist, the mist bear Jew himself, Adam Sandler. M- the mist bear sounds like something <laughs> from D&D. Yeah, with a ST, right? Um, yeah. But yeah. A giant mist bear <laughs> emerges from the woods. But he... Um, yeah, so the other... Uh, it was Punch Drunk Love, right? Is the other kind of like... Uh, so, and oh, Rain, uh, over, uh, Rain me over Me. Well. Yeah, I haven't seen Rain Over Me. Is, is it any good? It, it's... Very, it's very good. Yeah. It's a bit um, pandery in places. There was no pandas um, at nine eleven. Are you blaming pandas for nine eleven, Ian? Well, who do you think was remote controlling the planes? <laughs> pandas can't melt steel beams, Ian. Uh, <laughs> I knew, th- I knew this is where the podcast would go to. Pand- pandas and nine eleven. Pandas and nine eleven. But yeah, no, uh, Rain Over Me. It- it's very worth watching, but it's one of those films that's very. It's too aware of the heartstrings it's pulling. Right. 
Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah. When, and also, the problem was, is he was playing the guy from the league who wasn't actually at 9-11, so it all kind of falls apart <laughs> at that point. But yeah, I just think that given he... For after seeing him in um, in uh, Uncut Gems, I'm convinced that there is an alternate universe where Adam Sandler chose like his art over money, and we could have had so many phenomenal movies starring Adam Sandler because he's just so good in Uncut Gems. I I think you would go down the sort of Jim Carrey route in terms of like he wouldn't be in an out and out kind of like I don't think he'd be in anything supernatural, but like the kind of number 23 even cable like you said i i agree i think cable guy is a horror movie right it's weird as all hell and uh very uncomfortable to watch so i think yeah going down that route but just having him in um yeah in something that's again another breath of breath of fresh air for adam sandler that isn't whatever terrible movie he's pumping out for netflix next which would just be a, a welcome uh welcome change of pace for me his his recent ones it's not a comedy, but it's not supposed to be bad. It's not supposed to be good either, but it's not supposed to be like ridiculous six level of guys. Let's just pretend this doesn't exist. Like shifting it to the bottom of the algorithm so nobody ever watches oh, it. Again. I tried to watch Ridiculous Six. Yeah, but his new one, he's like a basketball scout agent, something like that. Right. And he's, it's supposed to be quite good. Okay. I'll bear that in mind. Was that Hustle? Is it? Yes. Yeah, yes. Yeah. But then, you know, you, you say that and then we've got su- such upcoming movies as You Are So Not Invited to My Bat Mitzvah, um, which I don't hold a huge amount of hope for. <laughs> uh. And I guess, again, talking of, of arguments for is he in a horror movie, he was in Hubie Halloween. However, I don't think we even... Hotel Transylvania. He's in all of those. <laughs> oh, shit, yeah. Yeah. Who I th- Did Andy, uh, his on-screen son, I think, uh, Sandberg, took over from him? Oh, hey, really? Yeah. Uh, he was um, Dracula? Right, I yes. think. Yes. Or, or the Count, or whatever. But yeah. Copyright, okay name. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not counting those, because, and, you know. Well, we're not, we're not counting, we already, we're not counting horror comedy. No. We're going exclusively straight out horror. Yeah, and whilst Jack and Jill was a terrifying proposition we're also not counting that either but yeah I, this is as i say largely predicated on on how good uncut gems is um and you you're probably going to need a, a very good horror director in there as well so maybe you know the next ariasta movie should uh there are huge horror elements in uncut gems because of the tension right mm. i mean it's the most it's the most tense i think i've ever been yeah ever. yeah that wasn't because of horror or sport or like anything that was actually happening to me but 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 it is centered around sport. The entire tension is reliant on obviously it's it's his actions around the game. Yeah. But you're waiting for the results of the game. It's weird that there are like unspoken rules as to why you couldn't call uncut gems a horror. But the truth is, it it is it kind of is. I I, I think it yeah. There is a very thin line. I mean, just look at uh, the song. Uh, there's a very fine line between thrillers and horrors, right? <laughs> To the point that the song Thriller is actually about horror movies. Yeah. I think that's probably the biggest it's mistake he ever made. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. The, the, only, <laughs> the only mistake. But yeah, like, it's, that, that's a really good point. Like, it is... We, we've just, like, decided it's not a horror movie. But it has all of the beats and bits of a horror movie. Yeah. So... They just need to replace all those Gamble Aware adverts with just, like, watch, watch Uncut Gems. 
it puts you into him that's what's interesting about it i kind of went to see it in the cinema i loved good time so much that i was so excited for uncut gems and then i was about an hour and a half in and i was a bit like a bit confused i was like what are we doing with this film i was and then as it ended i realized like oh i was they put you into him yeah Yeah. they don't let you consider for a second they never show you him through somebody else's eyes being like what the hell are you doing you're just him all the time and then it ends it's just like such a perfect way to end it yeah and it's why i guess it's why you end up being able to root for him as well because you've he's with hindsight looking back he's a colossal piece of shit oh yeah but because you've spent the entire time from his point of view you kind of want him to to win yeah again it's one of it's one of those films we're not uh we're not even going to hint towards kind of the the final act of that film no but if you've not seen it go watch it well well worth yeah it. but yeah the i'm still suffering i think heart issues from watching that film oh without without a doubt so uh, maybe we need to get the um i can never pronounce that Sadafi is it Sadafi brothers Safty, Safty, Safty brothers directing a horror movie starring starring Adam Sandler. That's that's the pitch here. So um, that's what I'm going to go with. And as as you point out, it's it's it hits all of those similar beats. So I think he could therefore carry it off in an out and out horror. But we're all happy to brand as a horror movie. I had a few people on the shortlist, and I could. The problem is, I want the person I want to pick has already been mentioned and might not even fit the criteria. But the truth is, I want to pick him more than the rest of them because I sort of it's it's got to be Jim Carrey. And the reason why, even though we've we talked about the cable guy, we've talked about the number twenty three. I think between the number twenty three and Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, what he kind of offered to us, and I guess his performance in um, the Batman one he was in. Yeah, this Batman is a guy forever. who was Batman Forever. This is a guy who his. To this day, like his comedy chops are undeniable. The way that those movies have all aged is amazing. They've aged better than I'd say the Adam Sandler films of the nineties, and that like the mask is still excellent. Well, at least, at least uh, his performances. Some parts of the films have not aged very well at all. Right. Yeah. But yeah. His performance in them is always still very funny. Now. Yeah. But the mask is is so is so brilliant. Like it was watching it now, you realize just how ahead of its time it was. The whole like neo noir aesthetic of it all, the actual heart of the center of it. How I think whoever sort of developed that film probably went, okay, we've got this guy who's brilliant and does something that nobody else does. How can we expand that vehicle? How can we make him a cartoon in a film with loads of regular people? And they were like, yeah, we'll just make him a cartoon. Yeah. And I mean, and so the. The Mask, I think, also started what is, I think, one of the best streaks in movies. Because he was in... Here we go. So, in a, in a row... No, so this was the middle film. In a row, he was in... In the same year, Ace Ventura, The Mask, and Dumb and Dumber. Yeah. Which in is one year. In one year. So, 1994. Yeah. And then you follow that up with Liar Liar, I think just afterwards. Yep. And Ace Ventura, Ace Ventura 2. Yep. Uh, the Cable Guy as well was around. The cable Guy, probably around 96. And then I guess Truman Show in 98. Yeah. Me, me myself and Irene, which doesn't get Which is great. Enough. Mm. Which is yeah. really good. There's so many fun little touches in that film in that he, he has three black sons. <laughs> and then they come and save him and they're so incredibly sweet and they're played by some really brilliant actors none of whom i'll get the name of 
one of them is the dad in blackish uh, it's it's a really great sweet film i think it probably didn't get the respect it deserved as people it, he was coming out of the streak yeah it was definitely kind of one that signaled the uh, uh, uh not not quite again not quite an adam sandler drop but there was a distinct drop from these are going to be comedy classics for a very long time to this is an okay funny movie so for me i just can't get over how hard both of those films, Eternal Sunshine and Spotless Mind and The Number 23, because when I first saw The Number 23, I thought it was a good film. I've since learned that uh, no, people were probably right when they said it's not great. You rewatch it and you're like, oh my life, how... It... I think what it was was that there were a lot of things in that film that I had never seen before, so I didn't yeah. know how like trite and stupid they were. And I didn't realise that most script writers, it does rush run through their mind at one point, like, what if? he was the guy all along. <laughs> and most screenwriters just go, no, that's shit. Put that in the bin. Yeah. And there are a lot of things in number 23 where they just go, yep, we'll just do all of those. They'll all happen. It's like it was written by an edgy 15-year-old, right? Yeah, and at the time, I was an edgy 15-year-old and it blew me yeah. away. <laughs> yeah, I would I, uh, I, I would have been of the... I ex Exactly the same as you. I was of the age where I was like, God, you know what? This is really... This is fucking great. This is amazing. And then you watch it again. It's like, oh, wait, no, it's not. <laughs> I, I had that with the butterfly effect like and the butterfly effect's not a terrible movie that was such a big deal in the 2000s yeah. the amount of dvd copies of the butterfly effect knocking around i don't think i've Graham, you might be the first person i've heard in 11 years <laughs> use the phrase the butterfly effect considering how much is it was it ashton ashton kutcher, kutcher. Ashton kutcher. Amy, is it amy smart yeah. am i getting that wrong yes it was amy. amy smart oh man amy, amy smart, smart was... that's someone who, who who is is in a prison somewhere <laughs> locked in 2009 <laughs> <laughs> yeah and it was the obvious like uh next movie you watched after you watched donnie darko and also i think if if you were to say i think we had this conversation before but if you were to say the most dvd of dvds i.e what film personifies having a dvd is donnie darko yep yes <laughs> yeah and what was the point um i think the butterfly effect all of like the posters and stuff looked like donnie darko yeah. as well like they were really going into, hey guys, turns out confusing is popular now. Let's <laughs> fucking go for it. But yeah, I mean, I would also, I would argue, I, I know some people go number 23's horror, but I would also argue it is kind of more film noir thrillery. Yeah, it's a film noir. It's got yeah. a detective in the heart of it. There's lots of like, in unexplained. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not a horror. Yeah. No, I, th I think, Jim, what, what would you, uh, what would you have Jim Carrey in? I, I think I'd, I'd like to take a lot of the stuff from the number 23 and I'd like to get it right. Okay. Uh, and elements of the Riddler as well. He can do, I mean, things we've said about Matt Berry, things we've said about uh, Jason Manzukis. Like, he can do, I mean, I think let's look at what he did with the Riddler. Let's expand on that. He can be really scary. And also, as he's got older and there's certain, I mean, what's such a treat is how eternal sunshine is not only it wasn't just a special time when you're young mm. it is such a wonderful amazing film and i think his sort of gentle nature in that yeah. so you took the gentle nature jim carrey central central character there and then something terrible happens to him and then you start to bring out more of a riddler more of a number 23 more of a maybe an evil version of the mask oh an evil version of the i, I think i'm fairly sure the comics are like massively fucked up well, he isn't, he, isn't he supposed to be like Beelzebub? He's supposed to be like a mischievous demon. So he's, uh, it's Loki. It's Loki, all, yeah, all into of course. Loki. Yeah. yeah, so if he wasn't the hero in that movie, he could be a real piece of shit in somebody else's story. I mean, I guess like you could also like the, the 
with very few tweaks, some of his films could turn into just out and out. Like again, the cable guy, very easy to just turn that into an out and out horror film. Liar, liar, probably wouldn't take that much to turn it into a horror movie. I mean, Truman Show as well, right? Truman Show, yeah. Truman Show kind of serves as a horror to the way way it exists in people's heads. Yeah. That thought that it puts in people's minds of being like, what if? Most people hadn't considered that before they see that film. The one thing... Oh, it, fucked, it, it fucked up a whole generation of people. The one thing that you couldn't do with uh, with Jim Carrey, though, is anything that was like slasher or gore. Cause, do you remember his um, whole thing after being in Kick-Ass 2 and then he threw an absolute wobbly because he was like, I didn't realise this film was going to be so uh, so aggressive and so... Uh... Yeah, it's a pretty fucked up film. <laughs> but it's, but it's yeah. a weird thing. Like, someone's done some research for you, right? You've got an agent. Well, I think someone also did research and like, I, I think it was a very clever way of... Um, it may well... May, promotion. Getting, are you, are you yeah, essentially like, look, if I could, this is a yeah. PR stunt, Ian? <laughs> if, I, if I can come up with a way that promotes this movie so that I don't have to sit and do interviews, do you mind if I do it? Yeah, fair. But uh, I, th- I think Jim Carrey's a fucking great shout. I think we're overdue a, a new season of Jim Carrey. He's the thing is, I think he seems to think he, he's probably around sixty now, and maybe the physicality is less of an option. But like, I think if he picked the right projects, we could have another ten years of really interesting Jim Carrey stuff. Yeah, like I, I just like you said that there is something unexplored there. I still think Tarantino. Tarantino's tenth film get Jim yeah. Carrey in it. Ta- Tarantino's do a horror movie as well. Well, I guess when you consider Tarantino's selection of John Travolta in 94, John Travolta was a lot younger, but, you know, was coming back from a period of, you know, sort of a fallow period. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, I guess, let's look at the big dogs, you know, Tarantino, maybe. I could see Jim Carrey in a Wes Anderson film. Oh, for sure. Maybe in a Spielberg. Has Has Jim Carrey been in a Spielberg? Um, don't think so. I, yeah, I, don't I, want, think I, want, I want to say no, but that feels wrong. I mean, I'm not sure. Did did Spielberg uh, direct Mr. Popper's Penguins? <laughs> yeah, no, I could totally believe he'd be in a mid 2000s Spielberg that nobody saw. Yeah, no, I don't think so. But, uh, no, I don't think he ever did because it's weird. They're both very 90s guys, yet never crossed over. Yeah, he was he was busy doing all the Ron Howard stuff, wasn't he, Jim Carrey? <laughs> Yeah, he's in an original take of The Beautiful Mind. <laughs> he is the he is the spaceship in uh, Apollo thirteen. I'm now just looking through like who directed the Oh Farrelly Brothers again. Yeah. Oh Farrelly Brothers again. I will I will stop looking through Jim Carrey's filmography now and just get because I don't know about you guys, but by the end of this week, I now will have watched Ace Ventura, The Mask, Dumb and Dumber, and a load of other films. Because again, like 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 we also said, they're all they're they're all less than two hours long. <laughs> They're, they're all easy very entertaining. Watching. Dumb and Dumber's got a great heart to it. Liar Liar obviously is built on that heart. In fact, Liar Liar, I think the heart almost puts me off a little bit because it's a bit schmaltzy, but there's enough funny, dumb stuff in it to sort of get you through. My only issue with Dumb and Dumber, sorry, not Dumb and Dumber, because Dumb and Dumber is one of the funniest films ever made. My only issue with Liar Liar is Jim Carrey's not the good guy. Like That's true, yeah. Like The, the, the bad guy in Liar Liar is the guy who is willing to um, be just, he's willing to be there for this kid who's not his and be the father figure that he's he, he deserves. Yeah, it is weird, <laughs> isn't it? It's that's, that's the same. Just because he doesn't know how to do, just because he's not, as, he hasn't got the physical comedy chops of 
Jim yeah. Carrey. Because he can't do the claw, his attempt, he's a prick. His attempt at the claw is a bit yeah. shit. It's like, oh, okay. It's the same issue oh, as this uh, guy. Mrs. Doubtfire, though, right? Yeah, yeah. he's quite a good guy. <laughs> he yeah. was all right. It was James Bond for crying out loud. So that was, those were our choices. Yes, they were. And to, to address the elephant in the room... Rajiv is no longer here. He had a, a train to catch to Edinburgh. Yes, we uh, we 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 had our we had our allotted time and a little bit extra, and we we thoroughly appreciate uh, Rajiv joining us. At the end of the episode, there will be. I mean, it's the exact opposite of future Ian, right? It's past Rajiv. <laughs> we'll chip in with a farewell message, but uh, but the sum up the sum is up it? That, this, that's uh, an interesting one. The exact opposite of future Ian is past Rajiv. Yeah, I, I like to I like to think so, on like a number of Your levels. Two ends of a spectrum. Yeah, I mean, f- future, past. He's funny. I'm not. <laughs> it's it's a lot of things, but we still need to figure out what our top threes are going to be. So in this episode, we obviously all uh, we each showed you, or we each divulged two of our choices. Um, but if you had a third, yeah, what would your third have been, and what would your top three? My be? third would have been. Mike Myers purely to play Michael Myers in the Halloween films because it's yep. it's very obvious, it's very on the nose, but it's quite funny. I like <laughs> it. And then, and then what would your top three have been? So Mike Myers third. Mike Myers I'm third. Assuming. Yeah, yeah it would be awkward. It would have been awkward weird if, if that was my been. top choice, and then just just didn't bother going with it. Um, so I'd have gone Mike Myers third. I'd have gone. This is a tough one, actually. I think actually I'd probably go Adam Sandler one, Jordan Peele two. The reason being that. Jordan Peele has fantastic horror chops, as it were, but we've not yeah. really seen that side of his acting. Whereas we've seen his comedic, comedic, comedic stuff, and it's fantastic. But there's nothing that kind of bridges that gap outside of the writing and directing. Whereas yeah. I think Rajiv kind of hit the nail on the head with how much Uncut Gems is like a horror movie in everything but name, and Adam Sandler yeah. nailed, nailed it. So I think that's that's the route I'd go down. Yeah, I think that's fair. And and like the whole Jordan Peele stuff, we do kind of, like there are some sketches which are basically horror sketches. Yeah. So like even if we don't have him appearing in a horror movie, we still have him in hot like, you know, in inverted commas horror movies yeah. just by being kind of behind the camera. So I have Rajiv's top three. Yeah. So Rajiv's third would have been Michael Cera. Okay, yeah, I can see that. Which I I instantly could have got behind. Um, number two that would be I could see Michael Cera doing like creep. Yeah, exactly. Exa- that's exactly <laughs> the kind of thing I would. Or a lot of the stuff that kind of like the horror, some of the horror that like Elijah Wood has done. Yeah, I, I could see Michael Cera doing similarly. But but yeah. Um, number two, I think we're going Jim Carrey. Yeah, and then number one, Jason Manzukas. Which, like I, I think what we said while recording, as soon as we mentioned the league, my brain immediately it went. Oh shit! I should have picked Jason Manzukas. <laughs> With mine, uh, so my number three would have been strongly caveated as well. So Rachel House, uh, Taika Waititi's go-to, exactly. So yeah. she was in uh, Hunt for the Wilder People. She's, I think, she's been in basically everything she's done. Uh, sorry, everything Taika's done. Yeah, and I mean, scene stealing in Thor Ragnarok as well, which is wild, given she was stealing scenes from Jeff Goldblum. Yeah. Wasn't she? Is she front and center in Wellington Paranormal as well, right? Uh, she's not. Missed? No, she. I, th- she I think she has been featured in it. But, oh, okay. Um, she's not front and center. 
which is a TV series I strongly recommend everyone watch. The caveat is, if Rachel House is doing a horror movie, it probably means Taika Waititi is directing a horror movie. Nice, yeah. Which I don't, I don't really want Taika in one, but I want Taika to make one. Yeah, I, I can, I can get on board with that. Uh, and then for me, it is, a, it is a tough, it is a very tough one between my two. I think I'm going Matt Berry second. Yep. And Jenny Slate one. Uh, the main tie break on that is us realizing that Jenny Slate has a prior relationship with A24. Yeah. Which means we would get Jenny Slate front and center in a A24 horror movie. And that just, I can, I can picture that a lot clearer than I can picture some of the others. Like Matt Berry, I think, I think for Matt Berry, like Matt Berry, I think would be incredible in a horror movie, but I still think it would, there, there would probably have to be a bit of comedy. Like, you get what I mean? There'd have to be a bit of comedy I... there. If I saw Matt Berry on screen, I would think I was watching a horror comedy rather than a pure horror. Yeah. Jenny Slate, I can imagine that it would be uh, an out-and-out horror. Yeah. Based on the fact that she's done, I guess, done stuff like that previously. And I guess that also falls in line with, with Adam Sandler too. Yeah, exactly. So those were our three top threes. But obviously we are here to figure out what the podcast nobody asked for's top three would be. So what is mm. your what are you thinking? Um, so I think it, if you go through them, I think it is the, our top, yeah, the tops of our top threes are the ones that are going to battle it out. I, I think they all make the most sense. For sure. And like, I think everyone, like we said, everyone else, or, or all of the seconds, I think we kind of have, if they aren't in a horror, we still have, like Matt Berry still has what we do in the shadows. Jordan Peele still has the horror movies he's been directing. Jim Carrey still has uh, like the number 23 and Cable Guy and stuff like there's yeah. close enough that we can kind of kind of get it. I think so. And there's um yeah, Ryan Garth Marenghi's as well. Oh, I yeah. I mean some some, some of that's uh, could be I suppose most of it's cast as horror, isn't it? Yeah. But, I mean Garth, Garth, Garth Dark Place is one of those like format breaking shows that i would be willing to just do an episode talking about dark place <laughs> like like yeah no no no, no to- top threes out the window yeah no top threes <laughs> it's just like three hours of us sitting here talking about how incredible uh dark place is is it is it's only six episodes right only two seasons? only six episodes i mean so we could do you talk about three episodes i talk about three episodes and then we just do a top top three or we could just do like one month we will just become a dark place rewatch podcast yeah oh, i'd be up for that i need to rewatch. i do need to rewatch actually yeah fuck it Let, let's 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 peek behind the curtain again another 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 peek behind, behind the curtain again what's there and, and just plan it now uh obviously we have our birthday uh episode coming up in october yeah. immediately after that we'll just become a, a dark place rewatch podcast for six weeks nice <laughs> I'm game. So top three. So we, we are we are settled on the uh, the firsts in the the top three. So yep. where where would you put them? So I I'm thinking. I don't know. It is it is very very difficult. It, it it truly is. I um, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw my hat in the ring for old Adam, just because of um the the parallels between how well he played his character in Uncut Gems. And built that suspense, um, and how he could translate that 
and then I don't know. I think the uh, the Parks and Rec alumni are on an even kill between the two of them, really, because uh, they've not really ventured that way but you can absolutely see them doing it yeah so I, i'm i'm actually thinking very similar apart from um i would put adam sandler three and then the parks and rec alumni are very close for the other two but i think whatever the top three is we we have it is an open secret that i think this is going to be one of the closest ones we've done mm. i would i would probably put jason manzoukas first just because like not only do i want him to I think he would smash a horror movie. But also, like we said, I want to see him do more. Yeah, it'd like, be interesting to see him sort of take a lead as well. Yeah, because I can't, I can't think of many things he's taken being a solitary lead. Like, the, the closest he's been, like I think Rajiv mentioned, like Big Mouth, where he's clearly part of an ensemble. And The League, where even The League, he wasn't... I wouldn't call Rafi a main character. He, no, he, was, he wasn't. He yeah. was... He wasn't in that many episodes, I don't think. And when he was there, he was... I guess he had the one episode where he was a lead alongside Seth Rogen, but that was animated. So. Yeah. Yeah. And I, th- I think there's actually two where he leads the episode. Okay. Because there's the animated one, and then there's one that is like a whole riff on One Floor of the Cuckoo's Nest, I think. Right. But that was also when the league started. Because the league is properly, like what we'll call a sweet spot series like yeah it definitely uh, red dwarf as well is very struggled after a while didn't it yeah and it also didn't start hugely strong like there is a there is a spot in the middle where it's some of my my favorite tv and then either side of that is i couldn't really care less yeah i think because that's that's the phrase couldn't care less because if you yep. if you could care less, it means you could care less. Yeah, I've I've never understand. It's the, it's the same as irregardless as well. Yeah, doesn't make sense at all. Sorry, I I randomly made myself angry there. <laughs> so I, I I think I would go Jason Manzoukas one, Jenny Slate two, Adam Sandler three. I I just don't know that you can where you haven't got the evidence that you can put others above where you do have the evidence is is my concern. I, true, but that's also why I want to see them do horror. I am not saying that. Um, I'm not saying that you. I don't want to see them do it, but I just think Adam Sandler would be best placed. I, I think he could do. I think he could do well. Like, like again, to be fair, I think all of these are films we would watch. What about Adam Sandler two? We're having a Parks and Rec sandwich. Parks and actually been an and Adam Sandwich. Ad, Adam, Adam Sandwich. <laughs> uh yeah i i guess so just cause... I, look at the end of the day as you say they're they're all much of a muchness between them so i'm um flip a coin yeah i i mean i would yeah i i, I would go mazukas one sandler two slate three okay but i'm i'm willing to i'm willing to meet you halfway on, on right. a compromise <laughs> something about a, a wiping the slate clean wiping the slate clean yeah yeah. Okay. We will. We will lock and load. Locked in. So this week, the podcast nobody asked for's top three comedy actors who should do a horror movie. Number three, we have Jenny Slate. Number two, we have Adam Sandler. 
and number one we have Jason Manzukis. If you agree with our choices, if there's anybody else that you would have had in the top three, you can find us on Instagram at the podcast nobody asked for, and you can also become a friend of the podcast uh, over on Patreon. And you can just basically, I mean, let's uh, let's be honest here, basically help us pay for Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's not lying. Um, if you uh, want to tweet us about horror movie actors you think should star in comedies, then let us know um, on Twitter at nobody else for pod with the number four, and um, you can find us on Facebook at the same place. I got distracted there because Ian was clearly thinking about the actors that he would like to cast in our comedy movie. Yeah, no, I, I was, <laughs> I was actually thinking like, I, I think the other, the other. If this were a two two way street, the other side I think is a lot more common. Like, yeah, I I I was struggling to think of anyone who has done a horror movie that hasn't at some point done comedy. Yeah, I I just went straight for like um the Scream cast. Yeah, which is Courtney Cox in the mo- one of the most successful sitcoms of all time. Yeah. Anyway, you can also find us uh, on the internet at the podcast nobody asked for uk with links to all of the wonderful things that you need to know: socials, top threes, giving us money, all those great things. And remember also to leave us a review wherever you're listening to this podcast, and in your review, put any future episode ideas you may have, and we will do the best ones. So that was that was that was this week's episode. Hmm. As we said before, if you are in the Edinburgh, if you're listening to this in August and you're in the Edinburgh area, we strongly recommend Gallivant uh, with Rajiv Carrier. And uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. no further ado, over to past Rajiv for a farewell. Take us home, Rajiv. Thanks for having me on the pod, fellas. Come and see my Edinburgh show. And uh, people can people can follow me on, on uh, the internet on Rajiv A. Kario on Twitter and uh, or Rajiv Kario on Instagram. I appreciate that. Yeah. Come talk to me. We got that. And I mean, obviously, you're the only comedian working who I don't think has their own podcast. Exactly. So that's, that's my brand. That'll be if I if I create a podcast, that'll be what it's about. <laughs> Take us home, Rajiv. Sounds like a soap opera. <laughs> Or like, uh, yeah, or like a, an artsy, like, Italian language movie. Ugh, no one asked for this.